Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, and with me today is another special guest. We have Malcolm Peace. He is a buyer of legacy businesses in Texas. Malcolm, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, Ryan, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm really grateful. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. We're, we're very fortunate to have you. We know that our listeners have been asking for someone in the small business and acquisition space. Fortunately, you're in Texas, which is awesome. One of my favorite states. So before we get too far ahead of ourselves, Malcolm, why don't you tell our listeners, what is a legacy business? Yeah, great question. So with all the buzz and hum around everything that gets thrown around every single year, I mean, I feel like every year you uh, you hear about a new business, new thing. AI is obviously top of mind for a lot of people right now. Um, it's been worked on in the background for many, many years, but it's really coming full circle where my barber and you name it are talking to me about it and asking questions. Um, those are the businesses I stay away from, candidly. Um, they are complex. There's a lot of players and it's ever moving. I'll, I tell a story to people sometimes. I, I train for triathlons and one of the uh, pools that I go swimming with a good buddy of mine here in Austin, we just got you know talking to one of the local guys that was working out there pretty regularly with us. And he turns out he was a professor and he every single year would teach um, computer science. And he got so fed up by the end of it because every single year he was teaching a new computer programming course and language um, that he was like, I can't keep doing this. I have to relearn every single year. And so that's the same with us, right? I take what I would consider businesses that have been longer than that have been standing longer than 10 years uh, and take modern, sophisticated professionalization to them and help them bring them into the 21st century. And I think that that's the key part is that a lot of these businesses that have been around for a long period of time um, have just lagged in that way. Um, either the owner or the team maybe haven't been trained up on what's capable and being able to be done. We try to take that kind of nuance of new age softwares and connecting softwares and standard operating procedures, mm -hmm. and we implement them into these businesses that historically have been run by maybe a QuickBooks online. Oh, I see. That's that's really interesting. So these businesses that somehow tend to stagnate, maybe over time, you come in and, and help them evolve and, and, and revamp? Yeah. And I, and I always try to tell people like from a perspective perspective that, you know, when, when a business owner is running their business for the last 20, 30 years, and they're churning out, you know, half a million to a million and a half dollars for themselves and their family, why change? When you know they, things are good, um, generally speaking, the business stays pretty flat. There's some years, obviously, unexpected things like 2020 and so on that change in people's lives. But for the most part, the businesses that we look at and we know we from a risk profile would be interested in have been pretty stagnant, honestly. And the business owner has been really comfortable and they understand that they don't have to do too much and they have to maintain the team. And that's essentially it. And the, they've got their little carved out niche because they did all the hard work at the beginning. Sure. Why, why change? Why stress? And so I don't want to call it anything other than they're comfortable and I wouldn't blame them anything, you know, blame them for anything on that. Well, obviously I agree with you. They're, they're comfortable. You know, who would complain about making, you know, clearing a million dollars a year? Uh, that's huh? good, good living for a lot of people. Uh, yep. So do they at some point realize, you know what, they're, we're leaving money on the table or, you know, there, there's, there's ways we could optimize that we should capitalize on. And then they reach out to you or do you kind of scout them out and, and bring it to their attention? Hey, here's some ways you could level up. How, how does that happen? 
Yeah, that's a great question. It's always a fine line because if I give away too many secrets, you know, then then what? Sure. There's a hundred books that you could pick up about any sort of topic and they're giving away a ton of information. It doesn't really matter if they got that information. It matters if they're willing to implement it. And when you're in that position in life and you're in that disposition of, you know, life is good, things are okay, why stress? And having to learn a new thing is a challenge. And so, yes, I often am in situations sitting with a business owner that's contemplating selling and we're having conversations about, you know, what they did and how they're doing this and how their marketing looks now and so on and so forth. And I say, well, have you considered the following? And the light bulb will go off but the light bulb only stays there, right? It doesn't necessarily become anything unless they are able to implement it. And that's where the, the rubber hits the road. Mm-hmm. And, and that's no disrespect to them. I get their perspective. I always tell people the zero to a million dollars or slightly beyond that is by far the hardest season of a business, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Taking a business for what we do, we buy businesses that are doing three to $12 million in revenue and try to double that. That's our goal. And if if that's the case, we're we're just implementing the same playbook. Yeah. The beginning stages, although that there's people that you know have a playbook and are capable of doing that startup space, it's just hard. Um, it's just flat out hard. Unless you've seen somebody else do it, it's just flat out hard to establish market presence and establish all the things you need to when most of the world is centered around you to be able to get it done. And so, um, yeah, a business owner when they've got a team and they've got everybody kind of in their role. Why change? Why stress? Um, that's the big thing that we we find. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and I agree with you. It, it's you know harder to move a boulder that's at still it's like standing still than it is to move one that's already moving. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So I've got a buddy. Oh, I was gonna say I've got a buddy who bought a business um, in New Mexico not too long ago, a little over a year and a half ago. And I called him the other day and I said, you know, how are things going? He said, things are going great. And it turns out he had been away for a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh, so when you get back, like, what are you going to work on? He's like, I'm just actually going to be working on my issues that I created. So the truth is, is that if he wasn't involved, there would not be issues. The business would just keep humming along. And so it's, it's it such an ironic situation. You know, younger guy comes into a business, a younger gal goes into a business and they have all these great ideas. We end up causing a lot of the challenges ahead because we're trying to really move the needle. Mm-hmm. Most business owners that are doing the numbers that they're doing are, are just not interested. They're ready to sail in the sunset and enjoy their time at the coast. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I've seen, I'm, I'm not a consultant uh, as you are, but in my training and coaching, I've seen that situation myself where the individual is like, I know we could level up here, but the amount of stress it's going to cause and then the pushback I'll get. And then, you know what, like, let's just keep it running status quo. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've been in business long enough, the people that I always think is great to get an email from is that I'll sell you the list of 2000 contacts in the following industry that you're interested in. It's like, great. And I always give that example to the business owner. And I say, Hey, if I walked up to you, cause often they'll say, you know, I ask like, what would the next phase of the business look like? And they would tell me something like, you know, we want to grow sales. We want to grow into this market. And I said, okay, if I gave you the perfect amount of leads with the perfect conversion rate, what would you do? And nine times out of 10, they're like, ah, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I just don't. So not to belabor the point, but I, 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 these are real conversations that I try to, I try to speak into in the circumstance. No, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. I speak for my listeners. Um, so I kind of skipped ahead a little bit, but Malcolm, before we get too far ahead and I lose my place, did you always want to be 
like a business buyer and a, you know, what we call like a, an improver of businesses and yep. operations. Do you know that from a young age? Like I'm good at this, man. Um, that's a tough question. I always try to like reflect, um, you know, one of the things that I always say and then things that I, I often dialogue about is there's, there's a intentional aspect of building skills. And then there's a whimsical aspect of building skills. And I think that there's moments in life where you say to yourself, you know, I'm intentionally going down this path. So learn this topic, go try this intern here, work below pay here, do whatever you can to grind to just get a little edge. And then there's just the whimsical moments. And I think that there's moments like where I'd be working and I had a job to organize a set of chairs and tables. And I would look at the situation and say, hmm, I don't really like the way we've previously done it because it always causes this issue. And let's yeah. go change that. Yeah. Um, to moments where I was a college tennis coach in one season of my life. And, you know, I'd go look at the situation and say, let me break it down into a sum of parts and try to figure out what's the real issue right here. And um, so I think that the tensionality of, you know, I had to make a money and that was the one thing I could add value to is to organize some table and chairs versus, you know, another circumstance where I could build some skill sets that were different applications. I still whimsically or intentionally was learning a set of skills that has set me up now to where I feel like I can sit in a room comfortably and dissect what's the root issue going on. And sometimes that's an interpersonal situation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's a cash flow situation. And sometimes it's something else. Um, but I think that's one thing I'm good at. I don't have all the answers, but I think I can I dissect what I think is the core issue. Well, I mean, you don't have to have all the answers if you're fantastic at finding the problem, right? Like, sure, <clears throat> sure. Yeah. yeah. And have the humility to bring somebody that is way better of an engineer than I'll ever be or so on and so forth. So yeah, totally, totally get it. Yeah. That too. The self-awareness, like humility, same thing, but yeah, a hundred percent people, you know, they, they acknowledge it and they're like, Oh, you know what? I could probably figure this out. It's like, but yeah. you know, there's someone who could do it faster, better. And you know, say you can apply your strength in another area at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you went to college, did you, did you know, like, do you specialize in business? Is that something you wanted to do? Huh. Story of college. I um, I started as a business student. Second semester, um, had an accounting professor who um, at the time, I would say, was like the most outrageous capitalist I'd ever heard of or ever met or interacted with. Uh, was very explicit about what a business's intentions are is to make money. Um, and I was totally put off. And I was like, this, this doesn't make sense to me. This is not what I was anticipating. I thought I would learn some skills and not be indoctrinated into this is what business is about. And so, you know, whimsical again, um, I actually felt that business is about people. And I switched to become a psychology major with a concentration on leadership development and service. That was my focus and did research on during my undergrad years. Um, so again, whimsical um, story of, you know, I was going down a path, didn't intend on going into business any longer, was potentially going to go do sports psychology or something of that nature. I was a college student athlete. Um, that was what I was exploring. And then just little doors started opening along the way. When I ended up going and getting my MBA from the University of Virginia, um, that was just another opportunity to build a skill set that was way more intentional and got to help me make that transition from kind of the sports psychology, sports world to how do I take this and apply it into the business space? I mean, there's a lot of similarities just listening to you talk as, a, as you mentioned your experience as a tennis coach, like being able to identify someone's mechanics and being able to kind of like, yeah, to spot, okay, we can improve velocity here. We can, you know, in this technique can be adjusted for improved strength or what have you like it, yeah. that you probably apply that. That's probably something that happens second nature for you. Now you come into a business and you can kind of spot, okay, this can be improved. That needs to be changed. This can be, am I right? Or am, 
off base. Yeah, no, you're right. And I, I share this. I haven't shared this story anywhere. So well, free, free to the audience Woo! first time. Here we um, go. <laughs> but when I was when I was in high school, um, I, I learned this term later in life, but a latchkey kid is the one that I've now learned to where, you know, my parents were busy. They were working. They were consulting. Um, and they were doing a bunch of work. And, and so I would spend a lot of time on the tennis court. Honestly, um, tennis became a passion of mine. And by way of just the structure of my life, I would spend time between our normal practice that would end at six o'clock between I would do private lessons in the evenings at like 830 under the lights. And between those two hours, I would just sit on the bench watching my coach and mentor at the time, just watch how he did things. And he was really good at that A player himself capable of breaking down the mechanics. I just watched him over and over again. How does he communicate it? When does he communicate it? The time out, uh, the timing of it, the tonality of it, and so on and so forth. How do you find a way to communicate? Hey, I see the issue. You may not see the issue right now. And then let's ultimately um, guide you through the process of making that change. And I, I think I do the same thing today. I, I, um, I'm very much in the belief of one of the first things we do is we, we get an organization chart put together and I establish where do people sit? Who do they report to? What's going on here? And then simultaneously, I communicate to them, here's your role. Here's the roles and responsibilities and autonomy that comes with this position. And thus, freedom's yours. Let's go own it. And I would prefer to have positive conversations than negative conversations. And you're smart enough and able to deduce enough when the negative ones will occur. So mm -hmm. let's avoid those moments. And, th and that's really how I run business is I believe that people should have the autonomy for the role that they have. And if you have to crack whip, I don't think they're in the right position or you've not given them the right resources and guidance and leadership. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot of uh, wisdom bombs within that, that giant wisdom bomb there. Uh, but though <laughs> the first thing I was thinking, and I have to tell you this, if you spend two hours on a regular basis watching other people just at that age, like for me, I'm thinking, put myself in your shoes. I don't think I could do it. Like you must have had a lot of patience <laughs> and focus at a young age. That That is a gift, my friend. Well, that's kind words. I would call it arrogance at the time. I thought I was the best. I thought I could get a little bit better by figuring out what other people do wrong and not make, making sure I didn't do it probably. But looking back on it, um, I, I really value male mentors in my life. Um, they still, I still have them to the day. And so he played a, he played a fundamental role for that season of my life. And so I think that was a lot of it as I got to spend more time just with the mentor that I admired and someone who was helping me develop to be the best player and person I could be. And, it, you know, full transparency, I was traveling every other week for tennis all around the country and um, throughout Texas. And so as a result, you know, I spent a lot of time with them. And so it, it became a friendship, it became a trust, and it was a, you know, an attractive thing to be around, to be able to see someone in their element doing their thing. And I get to learn from them and just be in their energy and, and kind of space. So um, there was a lot of things going on there. And it, again, I think that that's the intentional aspect and the whimsical aspect that also is the byproduct of all that. Let's pivot from here. Let's talk about, let's talk about businesses because you obviously, even though they're legacy businesses, I imagine, and you'll confirm for me in a minute that I'm not too off track here, that they're in a variety of different industries, not just one industry. Is that right? Yeah, I've had some exposure over the last number of years um, through a variety of industries. It's over time when you experience those industries, you you narrow them down. Um, uh, consequently, um, we uh, you know starting in right coming out of school, grad school, I was in private equity doing cybersecurity and defense contracting companies. I will never forget the conference that I went to in in Las Vegas and sitting in the room. This is pre. 3.0 and kind of early days of AI and all that space <laughs> and everybody's starting to talk about it and I'm sitting in a room and I'm like, I am a total fish out of water. Uh, this is not my expertise. 
And these people love talking about it. And, you know, you try to, you try to jab and jive with them, but, um, it was a total obvious moment for me that like, this is not the space. Um, and so you, you go through these moments where you kind of whittle down, um, you, the industries that you focus on. And so now what we do is we work with B2B blue collar industrial type businesses in Texas. Um, and I specifically say all that because it, it plays a role in, um, the way we make our decisions around the businesses that we look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a fundamental aspect of us going over time, learning about the businesses, um, that just makes sense for where we feel like we can add value significantly, um, versus others. Yeah, no, for sure. Obviously that you, you, you learn kind of what, where your strengths are and what you specialize in. That's the only way, way to do it. Like you did it, you going through the process and yep. learning those lessons and saying, okay, hey, you know, yeah. these businesses, the, the, the return on our time, you know, we're just not seeing it. So we got to focus on, but, um, but yeah, I know the where I was going was I want to know. Um, you must have had in these different situations, you must have had to adjust your communication, your approach to certain situations that you have to address. And I was curious if you could share any of that that spring to mind of situations where you've had to have difficult conversations, or maybe you've had to approach a situation that didn't turn out like you thought, or anything like that that uh, come up. Great question. Um... Here's here's the way I think about it sometimes. There's closed door conversations and there's open door conversations. And I think that moment of having an open door conversation versus a closed door conversation makes a big impact on the team. Mm. It one makes them feel either invited into the conversation or it makes them feel um, excluded from the conversation in, in the inverse. And so one of the re- most recent ones in January, I had an employee. Um, so one of the businesses that we purchased in the last few months, um, we had implemented in the first time in the company, um, a holidays. So for 2023, we had bought in 2022, um, we implemented holidays for the company. Um, never had it in 72 years in the company's history. And so I thought that was important. I was going to take a holiday. I thought it was right for everybody else to take a holiday. And so as a result, um, Martin Luther King came around, um, as a holiday and, uh, we did not choose to do one of those for a number of reasons. Um, but that was not one of the holidays we had chosen when we had talked to us, kind of a family group, a small business, 17 employees. Mm-hmm. We had talked about which holidays people were interested in. That was not one of them. Well, in the process of the new handbook and in the process of communicating about the holidays, one of my employees, um, at the time did not recall that that was not a holiday. So he chose not to show up that day and, um, it didn't go well. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, and so um, leave him unnamed. The gentleman um, was very upset, um, was very bothered that he was working that day uh, and that his other family members were not working that day. And um, we tried to remind him that there was other days available. And you know, he left and, and basically never returned. And so in doing so, when he chose not to return, he proceeded to call my personal cell phone number, which he had not had at the time. Somehow he found it online, I guess. Wow. And um, and proceeded to berate me about my misjudgment in that decision. And so um, that was a moment where I chose to keep the door open, um, where he was uh, clearly upset. Um, he had actually filed with uh, Texas Workforce Commission at the time um, after leaving. No one asked him to leave. No one fired him. He was upset that day and chose to leave himself and chose not to return. Um, and, uh, I chose to leave the door open and let some of my employees hear the conversation I had with him. Wow. I mean, uh, I've just, again, putting myself in your shoes when you got that phone call, like, what was that like? Were you like, obviously it caught you off guard cause you didn't think you yeah. had your number. So like, what, like, were you cool under pressure? Like how did, like, what happened there? 
One of the things that I've learned, and again, whimsical moments um, in grad school or before going to my MBA program, I was interested in being a sports psychologist. So I took some grad classes. And one of the classes I took was counseling. And we would literally sit in a room no bigger than a phone booth and we would get recorded. And we would get uh, basically half the next class would be two people. It would be real life situations with the classmates sharing real life situations that they had gone through. And uh, we would dissect my response as the the counselor and there as the patient and basically understand kind of body language, tonality, what's going on, how you position yourself, posture and all this kind of stuff. That moment, what I learned, what what I learned in that skill is let, let the person talk for a bit and let them just get it out. And so he spent... I mean, it was it was about a 45 to 50 minute conversation of him just needing to get it out. Mm. And he would get it out. I would respond. Do I understand you correctly? Let me repeat back to what you just said. And the the back and forth, what I came to realize is that my what what he was trying to persuade was his the interpretation of his actions were not his intention. And I continued to ask, you know, what did you actually say? What do you believe actually occurred? And eventually he just continued to interrupt and would not, you know, he could see the conversation was heading in a direction he didn't like. And ultimately, um, you know, he was trying to persuade me out of my perspective, uh, my perspective. And that's where it became tough. And um, I think that that was a moment where my employees, uh, you know, at the time, our team members, we we had owned the company for four or five months, um, got to see a different side um, and got to see a side of, hey, I need to be tough here. And um, this is not the way we're going to handle things and, and we're going to be better off without him. And so in that case, you know, I needed to speak more firmly. Um, and so that's what I chose to do. Yeah. That's a tough situation. I imagine for, for anyone and I can just, in your line of work, you must have similar situations pop up all the time and, and you're faced with that choice. Like, do I need to be firm here or do I need to be a comforting or to be receptive? You know, what is the best approach to either diffuse the situation or maybe diffuse in the right word, maybe to, you know, achieve an optimal outcome here? What does a win look like and how do I get to it? And all that is happening at the same time as someone's talking to you on the phone, <laughs> screaming at you in some cases. So that's, yeah, that's got to be interesting. Have you ever had a, a situation with, within a company you ever seen like a, a disagreement in a boardroom or anything that you've had to step in and kind of alleviate? I had two partners in some hospitality businesses. I'm slowly phasing out of that role. Um, And there was many times operationally that we would disagree. And I think one of the gifts that I somehow learned along the way is to be able to sit and listen. And so I would listen and I would say in a three person room, I would say, wait, hold on a second. So-and-so didn't say what you actually think he said. And so I translate back what I thought I heard and you know, nine times out of 10, they'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Or they would emphasize one part over the other, or they would clarify a few things. Um, But that's where it came down to is let me sit quietly. Let me listen, hear what's going on. And this is not rocket science. And I'm grateful for the experiences that I had that built those skills. And, but when I learned that I can sit and listen and dissect what's going on and try ultimately to provide um, a better outcome, which I think would be an agreement or some sort of forward progress. I was on board for that. I don't like getting stuck in the shuffle of, you know, the moment and I like to be able to move forward. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the skill set I thought I brought is I would give a few minutes to people to speak. And, and, and when I saw we weren't understanding each other, like, okay, let me slow down. 
and then let's try to find a better way forward here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Malcolm, we're, we're, we're winding down here. Um, we thank you again for your time. But one last question we ask all of our guests is if you could go back in time to uh, an 18-year-old Malcolm or really any 18-year-old kid kind of deciding what to do with their life, but they're thinking about going into your line of work, what advice would you tell them? Ooh, I don't think I would do it any differently um, because it was whimsical and it was a challenge and joyful at the times and difficult. If I was going to go into my line of work right now, I would go sit with somebody that would just allow you to see the full gambit. And that's that's what we do with our intern program. So we hire interns every year, every semester, um, and they come from top colleges all around the country. Um, and, and they get to see the full gambit. And I always tell people like, you're not going to, it's not going to be like a big bank experience. You're not going to just sit in a corner and research some industry. Like here's a real live deal. You've signed an NDA. Don't ever share this, but here's a real live company that exists potentially within a hundred miles of Austin or greater. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell their business. They want to transition in the next two years. Here's a business that we own. And this is the struggle we're going through because the last owner you know, has all these warranty issues. How do we handle the reps and warranties with that? Like all this kind of stuff is the real world. And I think if I was going to talk to an 18 year old, anybody in that age is go spend time with people that are really, really doing it and ask and consume as much as possible. The analogy I like to say is imagine you're in a food eating contest. After you finish something else, ask for another one because whoever eats the most wins at the end of the day. And so that's what I tell my interns is like, let's, let's consume as much as we humanly can. Yeah. Well, your, your thirst for knowledge and, uh, and experience is definitely apparent. Uh, so would you say not to, I'm just trying to, to paraphrase, would you say like uh, mentorship would accelerate like if someone who's a good mentor who's experienced, they could really accelerate the learning curve for some folks in your shoes. Absolutely. Yeah. Paid unpaid internship. And everybody has different philosophies on that. Take whatever moment you can to learn. Honestly, is and and, and find a skill set that you have that's unique to you. Mine was tennis, and I would go play tennis and sit on the court afterwards and talk to the business owner I was interacting with, or talk to the person that was consulting companies, or talk to the person that was doing that, just to ask them as many questions. And when you're truly curious, people are infatuated by that, and they want to be able to share more, and they want to be able to talk about themselves and their experiences and all that kind of stuff. And so. Um, be prepared to ask as many questions as you can come prepared to ask as many questions as you can. Um, and, and I think the rest kind of works out. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Uh, Malcolm, thank you so much again for coming on our show and for sharing some yeah. of your wisdom, some of your experiences. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate having us. And our biggest thing right now is at Sitzer Growth Partners is we're always looking for great operators, people that can come into the businesses that want to roll up their sleeves, love this legacy businesses in Texas. We're in kind of all the major markets we're looking or own in all the secondary and tertiary markets. So we're we're game for anybody that wants to jump in, roll up their sleeves and continue on with the next legacy of these businesses we buy. That's great to hear. I was just going to ask you, if folks want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Where can they get in touch? Yeah. So our website is sitsera.com, T-S-E-T-S-E-R-R-A. That's sitsera.com. And you can email off there, info at sitsera, or give us a call, or you can find us online or find us on LinkedIn and other places. Um, but more than happy to answer any questions, set up a time to chat over the phone. Um, be happy to talk to anybody. 
Awesome. Yeah. And for those of you, yeah, I've known Malcolm for a little while now. He is an exceptionally genuine and friendly, approachable human being. So please feel free to reach out. I'm sure he'll help you in any way he can. And uh, any, I'm sure there's nothing you can't do at this point. So <laughs> you're kind. No, it's been great. I thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Of course. We hope you enjoyed this one and we wish you success in your future endeavors. Hi, this is Ryan. If you're a fan of this podcast, you might also like my book, The Effective Presenter. In my book, I've distilled my years of experience teaching in universities, giving keynotes around the world, and presenting at various institutions into real-life actionable tips that you can use to level up your career and your success. My book is available on Amazon. It's available in Kindle and print formats, also on Audible. It's available everywhere books are sold. Look for the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in connecting with me, it's www.ryanjwarriner.com. That's ryanjwarner.com. Please feel free to get in touch. I'd be happy to chat, happy to reach out, see if we can level up your team, your department, or your organization. Thank you.